Let me say good morning. Let me say good morning to all of us as we prepare to go into our worship service this morning. Uh, can we bring this microphone down? It's, it's just way hot, yeah. How are you guys doing this morning? Easter Sunday. Come on, give God a hand praise. Yeah, give God, yeah, give God. Good, give God. It's just good to be here. It's, I thank God for that. I thank God for who he is. Um, the problem with a lot of us is, is I think that we go around believing, uh, we say we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but a lot of us live and make decisions as if he is still dead. And because of that, we struggle with life. We struggle with the things that we go through. So today I want to look at a passage to hopefully shed light and to shed hope on some things so we can be a little different this morning. Amen? Come on, bow your heads with me. We're going to pray and go into the Word and allow God to be God this morning. Father, we thank you for you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, as we open Scripture this morning to teach, I am praying that you would just speak through me this morning, Lord, so we can bring hope to a hopeless situation, Lord, so we can be who you would have us to be. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the fact that you got up from the grave, Lord. And so we bless you and we celebrate you for that. So be God in our midst as we give you glory, Lord. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen and amen. Before I go into the message, anybody, excited, anybody here excited of the fact that Jesus got up from the grave? No, y'all, y'all fooling me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, y'all not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, first service, they had the room vibrating. You know, yeah, they kind of packed the place out and had the place all. Act like the place is packed, God. Come on, anybody excited about? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. We serve a risen Savior. Yeah. Hallelujah. We serve God and we thank God for who he is. I want to welcome you to Restoration Christian Fellowship. And if you have your Bibles, go with me straight to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Um, we've been teaching in the book of Acts for a few weeks now. And so there's a couple of things. There's a few things I want to share, from, share with you from this passage of Scripture that will hopefully shed light on uh, this Resurrection Sunday on why we celebrate resurrection, why we are excited about the fact that Jesus got up from the grave this morning and what that is all about. So if you're in Acts, go to Acts chapter 2. And before I read, let me just give you a little bit of a literary context on what was going on around the text that caused the author to say what they say. If you've been with us any length of time, and if you have missed some of the teaching, you can always go to podcasts. Uh, you can hear in a little while, download our app and relive that stuff. But in Acts chapter 1, Jesus uh, had rose from the dead. He got up from the grave, um, like the Baptist preacher would say, early that third day morning. He got up with all power in his hand. And so he met with his disciples, and the purpose of the meeting was to convince them that he was not dead, he was indeed risen. So around verse 4 of chapter 1, it talks about how he met with them, and he gave them many convincing proof that he himself was risen from the dead. But then he said this interesting statement to them. He said to them, go to Jerusalem because John baptized with water, but in a few days from here, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it says, when that happens, you're going to become witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. So they go to Jerusalem. They wait for the promised Holy Spirit that's going to come. After chapter 2 opens up, and then at the opening of chapter 2, he, uh, the Holy Spirit descends on them. And just as Jesus prophesied or said what happened, they begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. 
What's interesting about what's happening in chapter 2 is that the text says that there was a lot of, or many Jews had relocated or been there from varying parts of the world, and they heard these guys speak the gospel or present the gospel in their native tongue. So naturally, if they're seeing unlearned men speaking uh, in, in their language, not being trained in their language, the natural thing would want to know, how did they get this knowledge? Where did they learn this from? What's really going on here? So Acts chapter 2, jump down to verse 14. Verse 14 opens up, and Peter now takes the initiative to explain what's really happening and what's going on uh, at the time uh, in Jerusalem. Notice what it says in verse 14. And if you're there, say amen. amen. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. He said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Here's what he says. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall dream, uh, see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. It says, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. Now look at verse 21. It's Peter speaking. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what Peter is attempting to do with these onlookers is he's saying to them, what you see us experiencing now is something that Jesus foretold or prophesied or said was going to happen, and today you're experiencing what really happened. Now, here's what I want you all to track with me and understand with me. The resurrection, there's, there's a whole lot that's involved with Jesus being raised from the dead other than us just getting dressed, looking pretty, having a good time on one Sunday morning a year. There's a lot more to it than that. Does anybody believe that this morning? Come on, say amen. Let me know y'all here. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. If you're visiting, we talk around here. Say, neighbor. Easter is a lot more than what you experience today. So here's what's happening. These men, they just heard... Peter say to them that, that, that what you're experiencing from us is what was prophesied. So naturally, Peter goes now on this rampage to explain in a lot more detail what the onlookers just experienced. He takes the, on, the ensuing chapters and he spends some time explaining to them, you know, what they were experiencing, what was happening, and what was going on at the time of the text. So then jump down, jump down to the end of this. Look with me at verse 37. Jump down to 37. After Peter did his explaining, look at what 37 says. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, 
and watch this, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 says, the promise is for you and for your children and from all, for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The next phrase says, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. Now, as a result of their explanation, look with me at 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day, my Bible says, about 3,000 souls or 3,000 people were added to the kingdom of God as a result of what they experienced that day and as a result of the explanation that Peter gave on what was happening with them. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a beautiful story today if over 3,000 folk were added to the kingdom of God? Come on, come on. Wouldn't that be just a beautiful testimony to the faithfulness of God to see people being com coming to the kingdom of God? Now, me in my inquisitive self, I wanted to know what was so impactful or what was so meaningful or what, what was it in Peter's explanation such that when he got done providing this explanation to the onlookers, their natural response was, what should we do? And then once he told them what they should do, the next thing happen, that happens is they end up giving their life to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the next thing they did is they themselves end up receiving the Holy Spirit. So what should we do? So I want to talk a moment just to tell you, you know, what was it that Peter said such that after they experienced what happened in the upper room, these onlookers, they listened to the explanation and their natural response is, we need to do something about what we heard and the response was, what should we do? Say, say with me, say, self, what should I do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple of slides that I want to walk you through because I, I, I want to be sensitive to the fact that you're going to go home and have a good time. And I was telling first service, since nobody invited me to dinner, and even though I begged, nobody still didn't invite me. So I'm hoping one of y'all invite me. Thank you, Derek. There you go. Good. I, I got two invitations. Good. Anybody? No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So I want to walk you through. I want to walk you through this biblical text because I, I'm one of those guys that believe that Easter is not just a once a year occasion. It's not just a one time thing. It's something that the believer in Christ ought to live day in and day out. Come on, day in and day out. Come on, day in and day out. It's something we ought to live and we ought to enjoy day in and day out. So if we can put the first slide on the screen, I'm just going to walk you through this and then we're just going to talk and allow God to, 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 to be God in our midst. So here's the first thing Peter said to his group. He said to the onlookers that they must have a proper understanding of who Jesus actually is. Now I need you to repeat after me. Say self. I must know who Jesus is. Come on, there's more people in here than that. Come on, say it again. Say, self, I must know who Jesus is. So let's read. Let's read. Look with me now at verse 25. Verse 22. Notice how it says. He opens up by saying this. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. Then he says, a man attested to you by God. And notice how he was attested to you with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him 
in your midst, as you yourself know. This Jesus, delivered up according, uh, according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, notice what's the next thing it says, you crucified and killed by the hand of lawless men, but God raised him up, losing the pangs of death, because, this is the shout right here, it was impossible for him to be held by it. Oh, I just need, give me a half an amen right there. So, so listen, number one, we got to know who Jesus is. And so Peter now, when he's explaining this phenomenon that the crowd just experienced, he opens up his sermon by saying, number one, for you to understand what we're experiencing, for you to receive what we have received, you must know, number one, who Jesus is. So now look at the next thing. Go to the next slide. I want y'all to see this. We can walk through it. So here's the thing. He opens up by saying in verse 22, Jesus was accredited by God with signs and wonders. Here's what Peter's saying. Jesus was no phony. <laughs> Jesus was not a false prophet. prophet. He was not a fake. He was legitimate. And God verified that. So he's saying to the Jews that's present, remember him going around feeding the hungry. Remember him going around raising the dead. Remember him going around giving sight to the blind. Remember him interrupting funeral processions. Come on. Remember what he did. And then he adds this phrase. It wasn't like you heard about it. He did it in your midst. I mean, you saw it. You experienced it. it. It happened to you. So I want you to know that same guy that did that is the same guy I'm talking about. Now let me help connect the dots real quick because a lot of us have fooled ourselves into thinking luck has something to do with who we are and where we are today. I stopped by this resurrection morning to let you know, discount luck, it was God. <laughs> It was Jesus. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. And, and God accredited him. God, God, God affirmed him. God verified him in our very presence, in our very midst with signs and wonders. Let, let me help you understand what I'm talking about. The fact that you survived that car accident, don't give credit to the airbag in your car because I know folks whose airbag did not deploy. Come on, talk to me this morning. The fact, the fact that sickness did not take you out, don't, don't, don't give all the credit to the doctors. It's God working through. So it's miracles that God did in our midst. The fact that God healed from sickness, the fact that God did all the wonderful things that he did, a lot of us might not have known that it was God, but I stopped by this resurrection morning to let you know, you got to know who Jesus is. You got to know who Jesus is. Don't, as believers in Christ, you might as well stop, man, you was lucky. No, you was Jesus. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Man, you were Jesus. Because we have to have a true identity with God. Nothing is accidental or incidental when it comes to his children. Come on, say man, if you believe that. Number one, number one, number one, A, he, he, you got to know him to be the one accredited by God. Go to the second one. Let's move to this as we talked about. Number two, you've got to know that it was God's plan that Jesus was crucified by the hand of lawless men. 
We must know that it was God's plan that Jesus was crucified by the hand of lawless men. So here's Peter preaching to his audience. And they're saying, man, what is this thing all about? He's saying, listen, number one, you got to know who Jesus is. You need to know that God credited him. And number two, here's what he said to his audience. You need to take responsibility for the fact that you killed him. That's some bold stuff. Take responsibility. Now, here's how this looks. Now, granted, these Jews might not have been the one who hung Jesus on the cross, but they worked through the Roman system to allow Jesus to end up on the cruel cross that he did. They were the very ones when Pilate brought Jesus forth that said, release Barabbas, but crucify him. Release Barabbas, but crucify him. I want, to hear, I want you to hear me say that, that when you look at that thing today, the reason Jesus died on the cross was not so much because he was perfect and sinless. He died on the cross because I was a mess. Oh, don't act like you hadn't sinned this morning. Come on, don't act like you hadn't done nothing wrong. When we talk about by the hands of lawless men, all of us are responsible for the fact that he left his home in glory and traveled the cosmic constellation and came on earth to die for our sins. We are responsible for the fact that Jesus died in our place. Maybe, maybe the problem is we got a whole lot of folk in here that hadn't sinned yet. <laughs> but last I checked, my Bible says 1 John 1, 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to do what? Forgive and to cleanse. But he also says, if you say you have no sin, what happens? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The only reason God left his home in glory to come to this sin-sick earth it's because of sinners like you and me. I know this doesn't feel good on an Easter Sunday morning, but we killed him. Come on, y'all, talk to me. We killed him. We killed him because we could not pay our own price for our sins. We could not atone for our sins. God had to incarnate himself and come and die in our place. We are responsible. So he's saying to the audience, you are responsible. I wish I had one or two people that's not afraid to say, preacher, you're right, I'm responsible. Yeah. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, point yourself. But let me help you. Don't take the hit. Turn your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're responsible. <laughs> yeah, 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 that, yeah that, that'll help you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Now turn the other way so they can get you back and say, you're, yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. I'm glad to see y'all smile. Because we're responsible. We are responsible for the sins that we committed. And as a result, Jesus come to die, came to die in our place. Go to the third one. Look at the third one. Look at the third thing Peter said. We must know the truth that it was God who raised Jesus from the grave. And I like that because it was impossible for the grave to constrain him. Constraint. I like that word constraint. It was impossible for the grave to keep him down. Okay. We killed him. We killed him. Our sin allowed him to go to that cruel cross to die in our place. But even though he died in our place, I like the fact that today we celebrate and we do this annually. We set time aside just to say, God, I thank you for the fact that you raised him up.
Come on now. So here's what Peter's saying. Here's what Peter's saying. And, and, and this is what I like so much about the skit that just went before us because here's what the young lady was saying. God, where are you? God, where are you? You're dead. And, and if you were not dead, I wouldn't be going through the situation that I'm going through. My son would not have been in jail. My children would not have been going through all the calamity they're going through because of the false hope that Jesus is dead. Church, there's good news this morning. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Somebody say hallelujah. Yeah, there's good news this morning that God raised him up. Let me tell you, this ought to be the moment that Christianity ought to be the most celebrated group of people on the face of the earth. Let me tell you why I'm saying that. Buddha died, and he's still in the grave. Yeah, 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 come on. Krishna died, and he's still where? In the grave. Come on, Muhammad died, and he's still where? In the grave. But I serve a risen Savior. Come on. Who's in the world today? Grandma them used to say it this way. Every now and then I feel him in my hand. Then I feel him in my feet. And I feel him all over me. And, and we need to realize that we serve a risen Savior. And lock into this, lock into this. The reason God raised him is because the grave could not keep him down. Let me connect and I'm going to move on. If you have accepted Christ in your life as personal Lord and Savior, here's a direct application. The enemy can't keep you down. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because here's what that says. Where Satan thought he had killed Christ and he was throwing a party celebrating his victory, God said, I've got the last word. The encouraging fact in that that you need to know about resurrection, when your enemy thinks they've got you down, when they feel they've got you down, you need to hear me say this morning, because of what happened on Calvary, God has the last word. Oh, come on, say amen. And God can raise you up because the grave could not constrain him. Enemy got his neck on your feet. I mean, feet on your neck. Let me get that right. <laughs> he got, he's got his feet on your knee, neck. Don't miss the last phrase. The grave could not constrain him. Here's what that looks like. If he has his feet and it's staying on your neck and you don't have the power to get his feet off your neck, you might want to check what's on the inside. Because last I checked, the word still says, greater is he that is where? Than he that is where? So nothing in the world, hear me say this, can constrain me as long as I stay faithful to Christ. The grave could not constrain him. The grave, so Peter's preaching, Peter's preaching to his people, and he's saying to them, the reason he got up is because the grave couldn't constrain him. Y'all killed him, but God raised him up. We killed him, but God raised him up. Come on, say amen. Go, go to the next slide. Let me read this. Let me read this. Here's the second thing. We must have an understanding of Jesus' ability in the context of David's prophecy or some of the prophetic utterances that David did. Now, let me explain that. Let me explain it. Peter is speaking to a Jewish crowd, and he had to use some historical, cultural, contextual information that they can identify with. David was their king. 
They had high regard for David. They knew the Old Testament well, and the challenge was they couldn't process New Testament theology quite well. So David called, I mean, Peter calls on the prophet David in Psalms chapter 16 to talk about some things. So listen, listen to what he said. Listen to what he says. Verse 25, it says, For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Don't miss that. Don't miss this. Therefore, David said, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. That's important stuff. Look at this. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full, uh, full of gladness with your presence. This is David speaking. Let me keep you reading for a little while. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence that the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us today. Being therefore prophet and knowing that God has uh, sworn with an oath to him, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, he says, God raised, and of which we are all witness. Come on, say I'm a witness. Being therefore exalted to the right hand of God and having re uh, received from him, the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, that he poured out uh, this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing, for David did not enter the seven, and it talks about what he says. Let me, let me walk you through this. That's a lot. Let me, let me walk you through this. Go to the next slide. Let's look at this. Let's look at it. Here's the thing. This is what he said about David. He said, you must know that your confidence to face your enemies is grounded in God's presence with me. Now, this is dangerous, because if God is not with you, you're liable to get beat up. But if God is with you. So David, in ministry, he had a boldness about himself. And, 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 and Peter is tapping into the same boldness all of a sudden that David had. And he's saying, what you see of me is the same boldness that David exerted in the Old Testament because he prophesied this. David said that God's presence was always with me and it empowered me to face my enemies. Y'all with me? I mean, you know this. Here's what he says. He says, even though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death. What did he say? Come on, y'all know this psalm. He says, what? I will fear no one. And look here, watch me say, for thou art with me. I like this. Your rod and your staff, they do what? He says, you prepare a table before me where? In the presence of my enemies. You do what? You anoint my head with what? And my cup, he says, run it over. So lock into David. When he encounters a, a Goliath, because he knows God is with him. Bring it on, Goliath. Watch, and the reason he can do that is because Goliath was defying the army of the living God. You need to hear me say this morning, church, when the enemy rises up against you because of what happened on Calvary, no foe can stand against you. It cannot prosper because God is going to take care of you and his presence is always with me. I need a couple of people just to say God's presence is with me, with me. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, God's presence is with me. 
Very, very important. Go to the next one. Let's look at the next one. I got a few things I want to cover. You must understand that his constant, constant presence gives you hope for a brighter future. Oh, I need two people to say amen. amen. I wish I could act because I do. Why me, Lord? Where are you, God? You kind of get what I'm saying? I feel, listen to the words, hopeless. None of my children ever visited me. They never brought me a gift. My son is in jail. I'm going through all this stuff in life. Why? Because I have no hope. And David is saying to them, man, if you understand the resurrection, oh, I wish I had somebody in here. It gives you a hope for a brighter future. Listen to me, church. He's talking David. David sinned with Bathsheba. A child was born. The child died. David did not die once the child died. He got himself up. Dust, come on, I need somebody in here. He dusts that thing off. And he says, the child is in the presence of God. But because of who's in me, I have a hope for tomorrow. And I want to encourage you this resurrection morning. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter what the situation looks like. You might be facing a divorce. You might be facing bankruptcy. You might be facing some hill man. But if God is in you, You've got to hope for a brighter future because of Calvary, because of Calvary, because of Calvary, because of Calvary. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Let me, here's the other thing. You must understand, I'm going to say this real quick and I'll move on, that God will not abandon you to the grave. Okay? You might be down. Here's what this looks like. But God's going to raise you up. And here's what the, Peter is saying to these Jews that are present. You killed him. You buried him. And you thought God turned his back on him because he didn't do for you what you thought he should have done for you right then and there. That's a lot of our problems, right? We turn our back on God because in our terms, our prayers were not answered. God will not abandon you to the grave. Come on, somebody ought to be encouraged this morning that he's going to be there with you. You got to hear me. So Peter is saying this. He's saying this. Go to the next one. Let me move on. There's a couple more than been. And here's the other thing. You got to understand is that, that the presence of God in your life will help us make better choices. So here's what Peter's saying to the people. The guy that you see now, you got to lock into this. They're saying, who is this unlearned man speaking this stuff? Where did he get this intelligence from? Then all of a sudden, endowed with the Holy Spirit, Peter is a completely different person. I need you to hear me say to you this morning as we kind of press through this, if the presence of God is in your life, who you were yesterday is not who you are today. Come on now. The issue comes down to better choices, better choices, better choices. Let the God in us make the choice for us so we can be who God would have us to be. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me. I'm almost there. Go to the next one. Here's the other thing. And, and this is the one I want to kind of hang out for a little bit. You must understand that God using you is not about you, but it's about what God wants to do through you to have lasting impact on others. Now, y'all don't like this one because here's, here's the prayer. Lord, when is I'm going to get mine? 
Lord, I've been praying for a blessing. Lord, I need you when you're going to show up. And here's what the Lord is saying. Well, if I give it to you, it'll stay on you and with you, and you won't be a pass-through to be a blessing to someone else. So I want you all to hear me say this morning, what God wants to do in you, it's not about you, but it's what he wants to do through you. I mean, I can't, I can't overemphasize this anymore. What God wants to do in you and for you, it's not about you, but it's about him working through you. When, when that light bulb came on on this point, I said to myself, Lord, this, this has been my entire Easter, and this make Easter last forever. You kind of get what I'm saying? Because listen to this, Jesus going to that grave and dying was not about him, but it's about what God wanted to do through him so you and I can have access. <laughs> so the text, the text, the text, the text. Peter said, let's stay with your boy David, stay with your prophet, that's your king. He died and he's still in the grave, but the prophetic word that he utters still lives on and I am now a, a recipient of what David prophesied many, many moons ago. I want, I want you to hear, hear this carefully. He prophesied that God would be raised from the grave, and when God was raised from the grave, he would ascend to his Father, and his Father would release the Holy Spirit to come be with us. And we are now benefactors of what the prophecy was many, many, many years ago. Are you guys tracking with me? Very, very important. It's not about me. It's about what God wants to do through me. And the problem with the church is we have forgotten that simple truth. And Easter Sunday has been restricted to one day a year where we get our look good on. Come on, y'all. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I got two dinner invitations out of this message. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we get, we get our feel good on. Like I was telling with first service, we ain't never brought a purse to church a day in our lives, but because we know the purse is cute, Lord. Come on, y'all. <laughs> and, 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 and hear me say, it's not about just this. It's about what God wants to do permanently in and through our lives. So let me read, let me read the text, and then I'm going to share these two more points, then we're going to move on. Notice what he says. Notice what he says. Um, he says here, the patriarch died, verse 29. Uh, look at verse 31. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. We know that. Okay, being therefore exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit that he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So this is the, the, the ducks and crux of my message. Peter says, because of Calvary, because of Easter, because of resurrection, I'm preaching to you. If he didn't get up, I wouldn't have been preaching because his death would have been in vain. Are you with me? Because he'd still be in the grave. But he got up from the grave, and yeah, the celebration is about him getting up from the grave, but what happened as a result of him getting up from the grave is why you see me standing here. 
See, I want us to understand this. I want us to understand this because what we do is, 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 is we stop at Jesus, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with celebrating Jesus. There's nothing wrong with all of that. But here's what happens at the resurrection. Jesus came. He died for my sin on that cruel cross. He was buried, and then God said, you've been down in there long enough. Come on, get out of there. And God takes him up. And then God ascends him into his father. And while he is sitting at daddy's side, here's what he says. Daddy, I got some folk down there, namely 12 guys. I think by Acts 2, it was about 120 plus of them. They can't make it without me. So, Daddy, I need you to release your Holy Spirit to come into the earth realm. And what I want you to hear me say this resurrection morning, had he not gotten up from the grave, the Holy Spirit would not have descended into the earth realm, and we would not have the power that we have right now to do the things that we're able to do. Here's the point. The Holy Spirit is not for you solely to be about you. It's a pass-through so we can go to others and release the Spirit of God in their lives. That's what Peter's saying. He's saying, Jomo, he's saying, listen, the only reason I'm here is because I got something you want. I need to tell Sister Baby over here that her boy might be in jail, but there is hope. I've got something that she wants, and I am the conduit that God wants to use to release this thing, and it's only because of what happened on Resurrection Sunday. So as people of God, the only reason you are here, all of us in here that are here this morning, is because of those 12 knuckleheads that went about transferring the spirit. And then over time, it landed here. And it landed on you. And the reason it did, because like the text, you said, what should we do? Does this make sense? Come on, two more slides. I'm almost there. Let me just read it, and then we're going to go. So here's the last thing. We must know that the Jesus we prophesied about is the same Jesus that we experience today. Here's how God said it. I'm the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. I do not change. God is the same. Go to the next one. Let me read this too, and then we're going to stop. Go to the next slide. So here's the thing. We must understand that Jesus was raised. He's now exalted. Go to be. And we must understand that we, what we witness today as the power of the church is the Holy Spirit that God promised. Here's the good news. Resurrection Sunday is about God giving us solutions to the problems of life. In addition to salvation, we are empowered to be witnesses. So God has this plan for the earth that he wants to fix everything on the earth. So here's what he says. I saved you. I passed my spirit into you. Now I need you to be like me and go out and release the word to others. They can receive my Holy Spirit. Uh, that's, that's, come on, y'all. This, this is, it, it, don't miss this. Easter is not about looking cute. It's not about eating dinner. It's, 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 it's a reminder that we receive the Spirit and we need to be passed throughs and tell, don't just tell them he got up. Tell them how it can benefit them and get them to the place where they say, man, what should I do? And then you say, man, I'm glad you asked. Let me call Pastor Derek to preach to you. You know, 
Let's read, and then I'm going to stop. Let's read. Pastor K, come on, let's read, let's read. So here's what it says. Verse 37, it says, um, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the hearts and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Well, I'm glad you asked. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so those who received his word were baptized, and they were added to the church that day. How many souls? About 3,000 souls. I am a recipient. Those of us that know Christ are recipients. When you hear the word, it presses us to the place where we say, God, I want to know you like that.